0: This is in the Bible.com.
1: That's in the Bible, episode 73. Are you on the mission field with your missionaries?
0: Some times are here, filling men's hearts with fear. Freedoms we all hold dear, now is at stake. Humbling your hearts to God, sage the chastening rod, seek Pilgrims trod Christians away
1: Jesus is coming Hello and welcome to That's in the Bible. My name is Eric. Glad you could join us for episode number 73. Are you on the mission field with your missionaries? I know it's been a while since we've been on the broadcast, but we do have a full house. We've got uh, Matthew up in beautiful Point Hope, Alaska. Matt, how you doing? Doing well snowing up there
2: yeah it's uh, coming down
3: just a little bit not too bad
1: and we also have pastor strobel from beautiful sunny downtown lockport new york pastor strobel how are you
3: yes it was sunny yesterday and snowy today so you got a little mixture of both and we also
1: have pastor steve located in beautiful west seneca steve how are you
4: i'm doing well
1: and that's west seneca new york for you out of state listeners and out-of-country yes. listeners. And what's what's the weather forecast there? It's dark. Dark.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I can't see things, so I don't know if it's doing anything. So, no, I don't.
1: It's, it's dark. It's unfortunate, isn't it, this time of year that we get, the, <laughs> we get that darkness creeping in pretty fast. We've had pretty good weather here in beautiful uh, Horseheads, New York, in the uh, central part of the state, the Finger Lakes region. In the 50s yesterday and um, close to that again today, so it's actually been pretty nice. Not bad at all, but nice to have you guys back and uh, glad we could join together again. I know it's been a while, it's been a few months, more than a few months since we were all together to do an episode and I thought, well, maybe it's time we can try and squeeze one of these in before the holiday sets in at full force. So glad Amen. you could, glad you could join us. So, how about an update from everybody? Uh, we'll start with you, Matt. How are things in beautiful Alaska? And I guess I should also mention because we did talk about it last time, I was able to visit you up in Alaska, and um, wow, that's. I'll speak about it in a minute. But first of all, what's happening?
2: Amen. Well, yeah, it was good to have you here, and um, yeah, it was uh, we just had? I um, probably some of you have heard it, but we had an earthquake in Anchorage, which is uh, a good um, good ways away from us. So we didn't feel any of the aftershocks. We didn't feel anything at all. But uh, Anchorage just had, uh, I think it was about a seven-magnitude earthquake. And so we had a couple of church families down there. And uh, so they're pretty shook up about it. And uh, then we just had, <clears throat> yesterday morning at 4 a.m., we had a earthquake about 25 miles away from us, uh, close to a place called Chariot. And, uh, we didn't feel anything from that either, but, uh, I never knew this, but I think it was you dad that told me, mm-hmm. uh, that, uh, Alaska gets a lot of earthquakes and, and, um, we just looked it up the other day. And so far this year, there's been over 4,000 earthquakes in Alaska just this year. So it's pretty amazing, really. Unbelievable. And, uh, but yeah, yeah. And you know, the amazing thing is that as far as we know, nobody was killed, uh, from that, um, earthquake in and but uh, other than that everything's been going really well uh just the lord's really blessing out here and i uh, just praise the lord we had um just in the past three weeks we've had three young kids get saved and king's kids Amen. and um two teenagers get saved one last night and uh one adult as well so i mean you know we it's amazing how it works though it's you know you can go months without seeing anybody get saved and Amen. you're just like lord please and and then finally and it's just it almost is like a uh landslide, you know, it's just, it, it goes in, it seems like to me anyway, it goes in groups like that. And so I just praise the Lord, uh, just to be able to, uh, see some souls get saved. So, amen. Oh, man. You have
1: a good group that comes, comes out for King's kids. Those kids, yeah. are, they're, ex- they, you can tell they're excited to be there. It's, <laughs> amen. It's, a, it's, it's quite a thing to see. So my trip to Alaska, um, was great. Uh, it took a while to get there and it took a while to yeah. get home that <laughs> uh, uh i think it's the chicago airport that's oh, terrible that's uh that's the worst because again yeah. i had to walk outside to get to my connecting flight and it was no fun but um no but the the flights are long i actually i actually enjoyed the uh the bush plane i, I think i like that the most out of all the flights the bush plane from kotzebue to point hope and then point hope to kotzebue coming back because you're crazy. <laughs>
4: well, you like you like roller coasters. Is that what it is?
1: Yeah. It was a smooth. It was a smooth flight. The only thing that kind of troubled me a little bit about it was on the way, on the way in with Matthew and and Jennifer and Jacob. Because we flew, I flew back with them because they were here visiting for a short amount of time. And the way in, there was a pilot and a co-pilot, and Matt said he's probably you know he's probably learning how to fly. He's probably getting instruction. I didn't think anything of it. But on the way out. The guy that uh, chalked the tires and put the baggage in the plane is also flying the plane, uh, and there is nobody else. It's just him. And as we got up in the air, I'm thinking, well, what happens if something happens to this guy? If he if he passes out or you know he has a heart attack, he didn't he didn't like brief us on you know if something happens to me, here's what you need to do. And so uh, that was a little disconcerting, but you know. I guess again, that's where faith comes in. You, you know, you have to, have to trust God that this guy's not going to pass out. Or, and then I was looking at him, and he wasn't that old, and but he was kind of overweight. And I'm thinking, oh, <laughs> blood pressure's okay. <laughs> but other than that, I think, like you said, Steve, that and maybe you pass the struggle as well. That 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 part of Alaska's got a, it's got a beauty all of its own. It's a, kind of a stark beauty. Um, and that beach line that you have there at Point Hope if that was anywhere else if that was you know in, in any of the, the the regular continental states they'd have condos on that on that beachfront oh, yeah. and, you know yeah. be worth a lot of money but <laughs> yeah but it was it was fun i enjoyed having been on a four-wheeler like that and cruising around through the beach and and uh it was fun driving around Amen. unbelievable the wind though the wind. Yes. I was a little surprised at how the wind would shake the house, and then I asked Matt, "Why? Why is the uh, the toilet bowl the water in the toilet bowl is moving?" <laughs> Matt goes, "That's the wind." <laughs>
3: <laughs> so, it's pretty. good. glad he's got a toilet bowl and not a honey bucket. Yeah, uh, I meant, yeah, I <laughs>
1: which is a misnomer. There's nothing <laughs> no honey in would that you-
4: bucket. <laughs> what did you think of the uh, uh, old village when you went there?
1: I thought it was neat. Yeah. I thought it was that was pretty cool. And uh, we went inside one of those sod houses, and and then they had the, uh, I guess, the other village that was built. I don't know when it was built. I think Matt said they moved out in the, uh, in the was it the 70s? 70s, I think?
2: I think. Yeah, 70s.
1: So, you know, it's unbelievable the conditions that human beings can survive in, you know, in the yes. Arctic. Amen. Um the people were very kind, very nice, and very gracious. The ones that I met that were associated with the church, and, and even the folks we said hello to as we shopped went to the store. And, um, nice, I thought they were all very kind and very nice. So, okay. I mean, you can understand why Matt and Brother Serena are there, you know, for the people. I don't understand why the people are there, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's nothing there. (laughs) Because there are other places they could be, and I know they visit other places, but they come back to this little strip of land that juts out into the Arctic Ocean. I I don't completely understand it, especially due to the fact that things are so expensive, too, you know?
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, people say to you guys in New York... That live in Florida, they're like, "What are you guys doing in New York? <laughs> you know, why would you be somewhere where it's so cold?" So it's kind of like a little bit of the same thing.
1: Yeah, it's kind of not though, because <laughs> I can get I can get in the car and drive somewhere else, you know, for a day yeah. and, and come back. You can't really go anywhere else unless you get down the bush plane and fly somewhere yeah. else, and that's true. And the groceries are so expensive. Yeah, yeah, because I guess they what they fly everything in, right, man?
2: Right. Yeah, milk is about uh, nine, ten dollars a gallon when they have it. Mm. Yeah, when they have it, box of Oreos. If you like Oreos like me, they're at least five dollars, six dollars.
1: So, people, when I explain to some of the folks that you know that I talk to about you know how things are there, they're like, "What? Why is he there?" And yeah. I tell them, you know, it's a calling. It's uh, obviously it's not a it's not a vacation, you know. So.
4: I just had that question asked me today when they were talking about, they asked about Matt and Jen and how they did with the earthquake and stuff. It's amazing how many people were asking about Matt and Jen all because mm-hmm. of an earthquake, but uh, mm-hmm. they said, what, and what are they up there for? <laughs> yeah.
1: Focus, focus is the subject. Is that a permanent thing or is yeah. that temporary or? <laughs> That's what I get. I, is, as long as the Lord has them there. <laughs> how long are they going to be no. there? Is what they yeah. yeah, yeah. So it was a great trip, and yeah, I appreciate your kind hospitality. It was it was good to be and good to see. And man, Um, I miss you. It was uh, something else. Hope to get back again soon.
2: Yeah, next month.
1: (laughs) I think I think if we're going in, in I think if we're going in rotation, I think Steve's up next. (laughs) True, he's
4: he's pushing. He's pushing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's a good time to go now, Steve.
4: Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Dark. Get,
1: Get some more books read. Yeah. All right. Well, Steve has already joined us. And Steve not only is going to, um, you know, join our podcast today again, as usual, but he's also going to tell us a little bit about Handel's Messiah. He's got some uh, background information on the the whole uh, musical endeavor.
4: Yeah. Well, uh, this is something that my family and I uh, have been doing for, I think, about 12 years now. We found a group of uh, folks that... I uh, started out in a community of East Aurora, which is a, a kind of a suburb area of Buffalo, kind of off probably about 20 miles or 30 miles away from Buffalo, and kind of a self-contained village. And, and the churches got together and decided to sing portions of the uh, Messiah as kind of a gift to the community. And uh, right around the time that uh, my family and I joined, had a, uh, a new conductor that came in and and uh, he had some I guess you could say professional experience in, in many areas especially in chamber music and uh, so when he took over he brought in a professional uh, chamber orchestra along with the choir choir wasn't as big at that time it probably had about 50, 50 or so members. Uh, it since has grown to about a hundred. And, uh, uh, can't fit us all on the, uh, on the platforms that they have. Uh, so we got to cut off in the side and some, some in one place. We're out in the audience almost. Um, but anyway, they, they've, uh, uh, extended it to almost the whole performance of Messiah. There's, uh, it, the concert probably lasts about two and a half hours. And, uh, like I said, with a, a, a professional chamber orchestra from, uh, SUNY Fredonia uh, University there. and uh, uh, they do a marvelous job. they're They're paid by the uh, by the uh, funds that come in from from the uh, from the concert and so forth. Uh, my daughter-in-law is one of the the uh, soloists for the thing and, and has been ever since we joined. And uh, I, I really enjoy it. Uh, I've been involved in in choirs. Probably since fifth grade, and I obviously had some time where where I wasn't involved in in those things because of just the absence of them or whatever. But uh, when I found this place and was able to to get involved with it, it's it's satisfied uh, kind of an itch that you have inside if you if you those that have sung in choirs, and groups will understand what I mean by that—that that itch to be able to to make music and and sing harmonies and, and things along that line. So it's been a uh, a tremendous uh, outlet for my family and I. And it's, again, it's something that we can do together, and and uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, and Now, as it's gr- as the family is growing, it's it's kind of hard to, to get everybody involved. I'll, obviously, Jennifer is up in Alaska, so she's no longer being a- able to do it. Uh, another daughter's over in in Toledo, and she can't do it anymore. And some of the uh, uh, in-laws, uh, you know, have to stay home and watch the kids because we've grown. So the number of us uh, participating has dwindled, but it's still uh, something that we enjoy doing, and uh, made some friends. and And uh, it's uh, uh, the gospel put to music, and uh, it's uh, it's a real blessing if people actually listen to what's being. Sung uh, and consider the scriptures that are that are sung because it's all scripture uh, put to music and uh, uh, it'll it'll uh, scare you in one one aspect, uh, elate you in another aspect, and then just bring you to to the point where one time we're going to be around the throne and and crying out worthy is the lamb that was slain. And, and uh, again, uh, I've, I've said it before. And those that have listened to our podcast over the years, when it comes to this time of year, will always hear me say, you know, it used to be the hallelujah chorus was always the one that got me so excited and it still does. Uh, But when we sing a worthy is the lamb and amen, it's just, like I said, I want to come out of my shoes and just just float away. <laughs> it's just Amen. just really something. So it's a, it's a blessing. That's coming up. Uh, the concert is actually coming up this Friday uh, in uh, Orchard Park, and then Saturday in East Aurora. And uh, so, uh, if anybody's in the local area and they're interested in coming, I would imagine I would I would suggest coming early. Uh, the concert starts at seven thirty. Uh, beyond that, uh, you know, as far as our ministry is concerned there in Buffalo proper, uh, we've been doing well. Uh, the Lord's been blessing. We've had, uh, some visitors come our way and, uh, we've enjoyed, uh, having some, uh, bigger crowds, if you will, or, uh, car- uh, groups in the congregation. In fact, uh, one lady, uh, uh, was, uh, having a birthday and, uh, uh, the kids, her her children and grandchildren, were asking her what she wanted for her birthday. She says, "Look, I've got everything. I don't need anything. The only thing I want for my birthday is for you to come to church with me."
0: Mm-hmm.
4: And so, uh, a good uh, a good representation of her family came. All of her children came, and uh, I think the three three children, uh, some of their. Uh, uh, Families, grandchildren, and others came and and uh, was able to preach a message called Good Man Made Better about Cornelius and about salvation and so forth. And they heard the gospel. And uh, Maggie said that they were positively influenced by it, so uh, they didn't get mad and run away. But uh, thankfully, that they, they took it well, and hopefully some fruit can be produced from it. So we're thankful for that. We're thankful for what God's doing with us and uh, using us and we just uh, enjoy being used
1: by God. Amen. 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 Thank you, Steve, and Pastor Strobel in uh, beautiful Lockport, New York. How are things?
3: Things are well. Uh, let me just add for those listening, the, the the date that we are doing this podcast right now is December 3rd, 2018. So that makes the uh, Messiah presentation December 7th and 8th, Friday and Saturday, 2018, just in case um, you get this at a, in time to be able to come. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. So let's see. Since we have m- met before, um, I have we have added a daughter-in-law to our family. Um, our son Wes got married um, to uh, a good Christian young lady uh, named Anya, and they're um, they're north of New York City in Stamford, Connecticut area. And uh, if you pray for folks, you can pray for them. They hope eventually to go on the mission field and, and, you know, I know a man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord direct the steps, but the anticipation uh, presently and has been for a while to, is for them to go to South Africa and um, start churches. They want to work with my wife's sister's husband, um, whom I also got to meet. He was at the wedding, and uh, got to hear his testimony on a recording as well. He got saved under the ministry of Brother Ron Sykes, who a few years ago uh, went home to be with the Lord after a tragic uh, accident on a bicycle. <clears throat> but um, uh, Kyle is his name, and he's a, a good young man married to my wife's uh, sister, Heidi. And so you can pray for those folks if you think about it. God will give them their d- direction and blessing <clears throat> in the ministry, but you know, they do have a vision. And uh, I keep busy here with um, just the normal things of the pastorate. Um, I was telling our folks the other day, occasionally through the years, somebody uh, asks me, and I think I think it was within the last few months that I was last asked this question. But they asked me a question that goes something like this. Um, they say, uh, do you work or are you just a pastor? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know what they mean. <laughs> But sometimes they, they have to be a little bit more enlightened. I say, yeah, I'm, a, I'm a pastor and I do work, yes. <laughs> sometimes folks think the, all the pastor does is gets up and he stands up before the people, you know, for however many services they have. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we have, we have four a week. So that's Sunday school and then Sunday morning and Sunday night and then midweek service. So, you know, if, uh, a minimum, my average is a minimum of speaking, you know, four times a week. And even if that's all that I did, there is study and preparation Amen. that goes Amen. into that. And so there's hours of, of, uh, of prep time for, for that uh, each week. But um, uh, additionally, there's many other things. Uh, I was taught by my pastor after I got saved that a pastor has to be a jack of all trades. Mm-hmm. And I didn't pay much mind to it then. I'd only been saved for probably when he told me that, probably less than two weeks. Yeah. But man, I've thought about it many times through the years. And You got to know a little bit about maintenance, a little bit about administration, um, you know, finances, uh, delegation of, of people. There's just a lot that goes into it. And um, I was thinking about this past week. You know, there's a lot of things that were laying on the back burner and I was able to, to get to. And I was very happy about that. And, and at the same time, looking, there's still a lot more that needs to get done. So, mm-hmm. um, And tomorrow night. Um, you know, part of the ministry, Brother Steve and I go into um, Attica, and I'll be heading out there tomorrow night, yeah. uh, Lord willing. Yeah. And um, we've got a, an interesting group of young men, uh, a variety of of ages there actually. Yeah. some are young, some middle aged some older. But it's kind of a new crop, and yeah. the old the old guard that we started with were all well versed in in the the scriptures and the King James and, and doctrine. And we have maybe one or two of them that are like that now, and, and a lot of new folks come along. So it's very interesting trying to communicate uh, to them things that, even though they're saved, a lot of things they tune into, and then some of the things are foreign. And they're also um, you know, very, very vociferous or quick to <laughs> speak up during the thing. Uh, I'm thinking tomorrow night, if it works out good, Steve, I know Steve has to practice with the Messiah, but if it works out good, we might have better order because I'm thinking of trying to start out with just a little bit instruction about how the order of the service ought to be. Amen. <laughs> so, Amen. To start out, I think with First 1 Corinthians 14:40, let all things be done decently and in an order, and see if it see if it um, gets uh, anybody thinking. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, life is good. Being saved is the best thing. Knowing you're eternally secure, and then um, having something to do to serve the Lord. So I. Amen. I thank God for that.
1: Yes. Amen. Amen. You know, talking about doing other things other than, you know, standing up and preaching, which is, (laughs) you know, plenty in and of itself. Uh, Matthew, uh, one of the things I was able to follow Matt around, and to include me, uh, the amount of things that, you know, you think of a missionary in Alaska, well, what's he going to do? He's going to get up and maybe witness to a few people preach, and that's it. But Matt's driving around, working on uh, four wheelers and uh, trying to get keep those running and uh, picking up people. And we drove out to the teen camp that they're building. So he's like part carpenter and <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, all kinds of things that you you don't think about. That um, I don't know I, that I don't think I thought about until I actually saw all the things that you know go into it. Yep. So. Mm-hmm. A lot of work to be done there. So I guess we'll go ahead and get started with our lesson for today. Anybody have anything else they want to add? I'll take that as a a no. So Matt, you're all set. So we're going to go ahead and get started. Amen.
2: Amen. Thank you so much, guys. Well, let's go ahead and uh, start with a word of prayer here. Well, dearly, Father, Lord, we just thank you again for another opportunity, Lord, just to be able to talk about you and talk about the Word of God, and we just thank you that we have the Word of God. We're able to open it and be able to see what you have to say for us, uh, Lord, how we're supposed to live, Lord, how to get saved, Lord, how to be able to glorify and honor you, and I pray that we do that right now. That's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, if you turn with me to Matthew chapter 28, Matthew chapter 28. And we're going to see exactly what Jesus Christ said, one of the last, very last things that Jesus Christ said before he went back into heaven. Uh, This is after his resurrection, of course. He's died on the cross, and uh, he's risen from the dead three days later. He walked upon the earth for 40 days, and before he ascends back up into heaven to sit on the right hand of God the Father, uh, it says right here in Matthew 28, verse 18, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So the very last thing that we see Jesus Christ telling his apostles here, he's telling his disciples, hey, listen. I want you, now that you have all power, uh, because if I am inside of you, if you're saved, uh, then I am inside of you, and I want you to go and teach all nations, all nations, whatsoever I have commanded you. And of course, we know uh, the most important is salvation. Look at Mark chapter 16. So we're supposed to go and teach and preach to all nations. Look at uh, Mark 16. That is a command by God. And... You know, we say all the time, I say all the time, that the heartbeat of God is missions. And I truly believe that. You might not believe that, but uh, if it's so important to the Lord Jesus Christ that the very last thing He commands us before He goes back into heaven is to go out into all nations, I believe that's His heartbeat. I mean, you know, if you're on your deathbed, of course we know Christ wasn't on His deathbed, He was going back to heaven, but if you have an opportunity to say some last words before you uh, leave everybody... And you would think they would be the most important words, and I believe they are. I believe those were uh, some of the most important things of the Lord Jesus Christ, is missions. Now, look with me to Mark chapter 16, verse 15. And he said unto them, so this is Jesus Christ saying unto his apostles, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. So there's many more passages on this but of course uh, he says to uh go to all nations he says go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now look me into Matthew chapter 9, Matthew chapter 9. Uh you might uh of course have missionaries that come to your church, I hope you do, and they come and they present their work. They're uh many times they're on deputation it's called. You might not know what that term means, but uh deputation is just a term that means that that missionary missionary family is going from church to church and they're trying to present their ministry, their burden for the lost in uh, certain regions of the world, to go out and fulfill uh, this great commission that Jesus Christ has given us. And uh, the goal is, really, is to get prayer. Uh, They want prayer from you. They want to be able to go and be able to reach these lost, but they need prayer. And also they need finances. You know, many times missionaries cannot go and work in these foreign lands now sometimes they have to to be able to get visas to go in work visas and things but many times missionaries cannot go and just get a job so they need to be supported uh and things like that i know here in this village in alaska uh you know if i were to get a job and and maybe i will eventually maybe i'll be able to get one but um right now, if I were to take a job, I'd be taking it from a lot of the uh, Eskimos here. You know, it's people are looking for jobs here like you wouldn't believe. An opening opens up. Like we just had, uh, we haven't had a post office for, oh my goodness, three months maybe. We haven't had a postmaster for almost four months. I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable. So that post office uh, opportunity came open and I, I could have went for it. But there was droves of people here that are looking for jobs, and you know, if I if the preacher came in and said I'm going to take that job from everybody, uh, it wouldn't look good. So uh, missionaries are not only looking for prayer, but they're looking also for uh, to be able to be supported financially to go and be an arm of the of you of the church and be able to go out and fulfill this great commission. Because not everybody can go to you know an Eskimo village, not everybody can go to Africa, not everybody can go to India, places like that. Matthew chapter nine. Look at verse 35. Here's Jesus Christ again in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. The Bible says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few." Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Now, this is, of course, a great passage on Jesus Christ telling us that the harvest truly is ready to be reaped. I mean, to take, uh, we need workers to go out there and to be able to witness to the harvest. The harvest, of course, is the lost souls, the world that's out there. And uh, we need workers, we need missionaries to go out there and be able to see souls get saved. But Christ says here the laborers are few. We need to be praying for God to call up some missionaries to go out there on the field and to surrender to go out there on the field wherever it may be to the jungles wherever and go out there and of course reach the lost for Jesus Christ. And you know every time I would look at this passage I would say yeah that's exactly what we need to do, pray for more missionaries to go out there and and it's true we do. But the uh, Lord kind of showed me, uh, since I've been a missionary, that uh, I'm failing in many other areas of uh, my missionary life in regards to uh, supporting missionaries. Now, uh, my wife and I, we support a couple of missionaries on our own, but uh, our church here in Point Hope, uh, our little small church, uh, we support 16 missionaries, and I praise God for that. I praise God that our church is missions-minded, and we love missionaries, but I don't believe we're doing enough. And I I hope you're the same way too. I hope you say, you know what, uh we're doing well with missions, but I don't believe we're doing as much as we can. I, I'm not happy, I'm not satisfied with uh the missionaries, just the missionaries that we support. I want to support more. You know, I, I wanna be able to support more. And uh look at me to first at Corinthians chapter three. First Corinthians chapter three. I believe it's too many times uh we get this mentality that we say, well, my mission field is here, wherever God's called you. Maybe you're in New York, maybe you're in, uh, you know, uh, Missouri, maybe wherever you are, all right, maybe you're uh, in that state, in that city, in that town, and God's told you to stay there. And so you say, okay, well, I'm going to support some missionaries and praise the Lord for that. And uh, But many times there's a disconnect, I believe, where... We say, well, my mission field's here, and their mission field's out there. And uh, we separate the fields too much, I think, and we're not on the field with our missionaries. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and look at verse 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. The Bible says, "...I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase." So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers with God. We are laborers together with God. Uh, You see what's going on there is, this is a great example of uh, the church okay your local church or you individually supporting missionaries uh, there's those that plant and many times it's of course the missionary that's out there on the field and he's planting the word of God in the hearts of the of the souls out there on the field and th- those that water of course are anyone that's crying or weeping over the lost souls look with me to psalm chapter 126 psalm 126. So, of course, we're not going to go into all the verses. Uh, Hopefully, you know that by now, that the seed is the Word of God, okay, being planted in the hearts of man. And uh, Psalm 126, you say, well, what's the watering? Psalm 126, look at verse 5. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. So, there's sowing the seed with tears. Verse 6, he that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, Bringing his sheaves with him, there is something that's so important uh, with witnessing the people, giving the word of God out, and uh, having to weep over their souls, over their lost condition. You know, it's very easy many times just to hand out gospel tracts and to be able to witness to people, but you know, what's very, very difficult is to go back home and to remember to pray for them and to weep over them and say, Lord. Uh, the Word of God's in their hands now now it's up to you, Lord. Would you please get a hold of them Would you please convict them of their sins and of course, any good missionary uh you know if if they want to be um of course successful in God's eyes, not necessarily the world's eyes but uh, successful in God's eyes, they have to weep over the souls that they're witnessing to, that they're, that they're ministering to. And if they don't do that, they're not going to be bearing precious seed. They're, they're not going to uh, bring their sheaves with Him. They're not going to be rejoicing. But not only should the missionaries be weeping over the souls that they're witnessing to, but I truly believe that us that are supporting missionaries all over the world, we should be we- weeping as well with our missionaries, for the souls that they're witnessing to, I believe too many times there's just a disconnect. You know, we've got a thing here today. I believe in modern mission uh, missions here, and and I, you know, I I don't doubt that this was this was a problem twenty thirty years ago too. But I don't know. I believe it might be a little bit worse today than it was twenty thirty years ago, where we have what I like to call a missionary traffic jam, <laughs> a missionary traffic jam where we have hundreds of Bible believing missionaries. That are on deputation. They're trying to get out on the field. God's called them. The people have been praying for labors to be sent out onto the mission field uh, to go out into the harvest. For the uh, uh, Of course, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. And, uh, and so they finally surrendered. They said, okay, I'm going to go out on the field. And uh, so they're going to church, to church, to church to try and gain support, finances, and prayer to get out there. And there's missionaries that are on deputation for three, four, five, six, seven, seven, I mean over seven years sometimes just trying to get out on the field. And uh, there's there's just churches that either don't want to take any more missionaries on or just can't. They just financially, they can't do it or maybe they don't have uh, as much faith as they should or whatever the case may be. We have what I like to call a missionary traffic jam where they're all funneled into this one little area here and they can't they can't get out on the field. So not only do I believe we should be praying for missionaries to get out on the mission field to, for God to call them, but I believe that we should be asking the Lord and saying, Lord, not only would you send these missionaries out there on the mission field, but send me too. And I, I'm not talking about physically necessarily. I believe that we should be praying for that too, But but we should be praying and saying, Lord, Send me with these missionaries. Send my heart with them. Help me to be broken over these people and weep over them, over these people that they're witnessing to. Look with me to John chapter 11. If we're laborers together, and and, I say that about our missionaries that we support, all right? um, We are in Faith Promise Missions in our home church back in Martville, New York. We support missions here. Uh, in Point Hope, Alaska, on our mission field here, again, we, we support 16 missionaries, and, and, uh, and we also support a couple missionaries uh, as a family. And, and you know what? I believe I've failed many times and still do, and don't take this to heart as much as I should. I don't believe I look at it and pray to God as much as I should and say, Lord, would you break my heart? Would you send my heart to the mission field with the missionaries that we support? Look at me to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. You know what uh, I'm afraid could possibly be going on today, right now? The problem with modern missions is that uh, God looks at the missionaries that we support your church, my church, uh, many Bible believing churches all over the country, all over the world. And you know, I wonder if he says, you know what? you know they're not taking as good a care of the missionaries that I've already given them to support. Uh they're not taking as good a care as they should. And uh you know when you look in the Bible when God gives people talents and and things like that to uh take and invest and do things with, uh you know what he doesn't do? He doesn't say, "Oh, you you've done nothing with that talent here, I'll give you more." He doesn't do that. He takes the talents from the people that don't do anything and gives them to those that do do something with them. And so I wonder if maybe God is not allowing us our churches to be able to take on more missionaries maybe because we haven't uh, dealt with our missionaries taking care of our missionaries like we should. You know, we might you know, be giving them the money that uh, they they you know that we've promised them and all that. But are we broken hearted with our missionaries on the mission field? Are are we weeping over the souls when we hear their prayer letters? Are we are we weeping over those that they're trying to witness to? Are we weeping over those that are out in the field and they're ministering to? Maybe have cancer and in different uh, you know persecutions and things like that. Uh, I wonder if maybe God's saying, you know what, you're not taking care of them like that. I'm going to take those missionaries from, from you and give them to others and uh, allow that church. They're taking care of the missionaries they already have. Uh, they're they're brokenhearted, so I'm going to give them more. I wonder if maybe God's not allowing us to take on more missionaries because uh, we don't take care of the ones that we already have. Look at look me to John chapter 11. Look at verse 23. Here's Jesus Christ, of course, in John chapter uh, um, 11. Let me go over there. I'm in Matthew. That's not going to help me. John chapter 11. And look with me in verse 23. John chapter 11, verse 23. Jesus said unto her, Thy brother shall rise again and uh, Martha said unto him I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day Jesus said unto her I am the resurrection and the life he that believeth in me though he were dead yet shall he live and whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die believest thou this here here is the greatest missionary of course that we have in the word of god and that's the lord jesus christ And you know what he's doing? He's doing what any missionary does. He goes out there and preaches the gospel, and he is preaching, and he's saying, Listen, if you believe on me, you can have everlasting life. You can have everlasting life. Look at me to uh, verse twenty seven. She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, The Master is come and call for thee. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was was in that place when Martha met him. Now, uh, when you look at this, uh, what was going on before this? Before he actually came into uh, to be able to talk to Mary and Martha and witness to them, you know what took place? They tried to stone him before this. Look at me in verse eight. Look at uh, John chapter eleven, verse eight. The Bible says the disciples say to him, "Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again?" <laughs> you know what Jesus Christ is doing. After the whole town, all right, tried to stone Jesus Christ and his disciples and everybody, uh, you know what? Uh, you know what they said to him? They said, "What are you talking about? You want to go back in there? You're saying you want to go back in? I mean, let's just dust off the the dirt and the sand of our shoes and just move on." And but Jesus Christ, you know what he's trying to do? He's trying to say, you know what? I want you to see that there is a great need here. And you know, that great need for these souls to hear the gospel is so much more important than the danger. And you know, that's what any good missionary does when they come in to uh, uh, present their ministry, present their burden for the souls in the country that they're in, for the city that they're in, for the people that they're witnessing to. You say, why why are they coming into my church? Why Why are they up there and showing these slides and these videos? Uh, in, in talking about these lost souls and who they're trying to minister, why do they do that? Well, they're doing what Jesus Christ did. You know what Jesus Christ was doing? He was trying to relay, he was trying to spread or, or transfer his burden from his heart for these people in this city over to his disciples. His disciples says, well, it's it's not worth it, let's just go somewhere else you know what uh, Jesus Christ said? He said, no, 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 there is such a need. We need to go. And he's trying to transfer his burden from his heart to them. And that's what any good missionary is trying to do on deputation. He's trying to transfer his burden from his heart for these people that, that God's called him to go witness to onto your heart and saying, please, let's, let's, uh, let's yoke up together. Let's, let's go out there together as, as a unit and go out there and reach these people. And that's exactly what a missionary is trying to do, a good missionary. Uh, You know, and a good missionary loves the people that he's trying to go minister to. And he wants you to love them too. You know, I remember when Jennifer and I were on deputation and uh, one of the churches we went to, and listen, we went to about... A little over 80 churches, not very many, About a little over 80 churches in the two years that we were on deputation. The first year, um, I still had my full-time x-ray job, so I could only go on the weekends to uh, churches. But uh, the last year, we were on uh, a full-time deputation, and we were able to make a little over 80 churches. Uh, out of those 80-some churches... I would say maybe five or six were bad experiences, okay? I don't want you to think that every church we went to was a real bad experience. We had so many great experiences and so many great churches and brothers and sisters in the Lord and pastors, uh, but there was just some that just stick out and say, wow, that was just a nightmare. <laughs> and uh, well, I'll tell you about one of them. Uh, we went to uh, uh, Pennsylvania. I'll just say it was Pennsylvania. I won't tell you where it was or who it was, but we went to Pennsylvania, we drove hours and hours to get there and just exhausted and so anyway, we get there and uh we get to the church. We're going to um you know, it's a Sunday morning and so we're going to present. So I get everything in there. There was somebody at the door and and uh he greeted us, you know, nicely and everything and and so we get our things in there and then all of a sudden this uh gentleman comes in. He had his hands just totally full. And so I came up to him. I said, "Sir, can you know? Can I help you? Just uh, get you know, help you at all, get some of those things off your hands." And and he said, "You can get out of my way. That's what you can do." <laughs> and I said, "Okay, I'm sorry, sir." And and uh, come to find out, he's one of the deacons of the church, <laughs> and uh, never even introduced himself to me. Never even came over to the display that we had with our prayer card. Not anything. Never said welcome or or glad you're here or I'll uh, where are you going? Where's your mission field? Anything like that and uh then the pastor came in shortly after and i like to make sure that everything works you know and so they had their own um they had their own projector they had their own dvd player and and i bring all that stuff myself just in case you know it doesn't work and i can use mine i know mine works and so i said to the pastor i said pastor do you mind if we just real quick just make sure my a DVD presentation works so that people can see our burden. You know, see the faces of the people that are out there in Point Hope, Alaska, the Eskimos, and and he said, "Oh, sure, no problem." You know, and so he takes the DVD and and he just sets it right on top of the DVD player. He said, "It, it should be fine. We'll, we'll check it out though if we have time." And uh, you know what happened? You know what took place? Me and my wife stood there by our display. Not one person came over and asked us about the people we're going to not one person came over this is a church of uh, probably 60 people maybe more and uh, the service started and uh, the pastor introduced me had me get up and uh, i started the dvd player put the dvd in started the dvd player and it started out good for about 10 seconds (laughs) and then it just totally froze and, uh, so I said, well, I guess it's not going to work. And I started to uh, try to explain some more about the mission field and then it started working again <laughs> and then it would stop. And then it would start working again and it would stop. And I said, well, that's okay, pastor, you know? And he said, well, okay, you know, that's never happened before. And, and, uh, and I, I sat down, I thought he was going to have me come back up and, and, uh, you know, at least finish presenting and all that. And, uh, he said, okay, let's open up our Bibles. And he started preaching and that might not seem like a a big deal to you not being able to um you know convey our burden and 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 be able to present our mission field but let me just explain to you when a missionary comes to your church and a missionary tries to present their mission field they are they are it's, it's let me just put it this way it's like if you have a grandchild that is sick and dying maybe has cancer something like that or if you have a, a son or daughter or if you have a mom or dad that's dying of cancer or something like that and you're trying to show people hey listen please all we need is this just some prayer will you please pray for him? and everybody ignores you Everybody could care less. Nobody cares about, you know, what you're asking for. Uh, that's how it feels. And boy, I tell you what, I felt right when right when we didn't have an opportunity to even mention anything about our mission field, uh, it was like a punch in the stomach. It was like, I mean, just somebody kicking us in the teeth. Uh, it just felt terrible. And uh, because, listen, when a missionary comes in, they love the people. They're, they're so brokenhearted over the people they're going to try and uh, reach and when nobody cares when when there's no care in people's eyes no they just want to get in the church and get out and just do their you know time time card you know christianity just clock in and clock out and uh, give their hour for the sunday for the week that that uh, that's hard for a missionary and, of course, we know that was hard for Jesus Christ, too. Uh, you know, I mean, here he is trying to tell his disciples, please, I, I want to I go back in. I want you to see the need that's in this city to go and, and reach these souls. And uh, not one person came up to us at, at the end there, uh, at the end of service. Not one person came up. I had to try and force prayer cards in people's hands and, and ask them to pray for us and pray to see souls get saved out here in Point Hope, Alaska. It's just, It's just sad. It's just really sad, but but you know what I believe we need to do. Not only should the missionary love the people that he's witnessing to, not only be broken hearted, but I believe also that uh, the people that are supporting those missionaries should have a love for the people as well. Look with me to John chapter eleven verse thirty two. John chapter eleven verse thirty two. Bible says Jesus. I'm sorry. John chapter eleven verse 32. Bible says, Then when Mary was come, where Jesus was, and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. So, of course, we know that Lazarus uh, died. And it says right here, When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled, and said, Where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold, how he loved him. You know what? Uh, Jesus Christ, not only did he preach the gospel okay, to these people, but he wept over them. He loved them. He loved these people. Uh, he didn't even know them for two, really not much more than three years. But he loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Look with me to um, verse 5. Uh, John chapter 11, verse 5. The Bible says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. We need to have a love for the people that we're uh, ministering to, that we're sowing the seed, that we're weeping over and watering. And I believe every single person that's uh, supporting missionaries, we need to have more of a broken heart with our missionaries on the mission field. If we're laborers together, we need to, uh, of course, have that love, have that love for those people they're witnessing to. Look at verse 37, John eleven thirty-seven. And some of them said, Could not this man, talking about Jesus Christ, which opened the eyes of the blind, have caused that even this man should not have died? I mean, here they are, pretty much at the gravesite of Lazarus. I, I mean, anybody at the gravesite of Lazarus would uh, be people that, of course, have walked side by side, or maybe worked with them, maybe even family members, things like that, distant relatives. And they don't even say his name. They just say, uh, even this man should not have died. Why, why didn't they say Lazarus? You, you know what I believe that? What God's trying to show us here is that you know most people really don't love each other. Most people have a lack of love. And you know what people are looking for today? Just somebody to care for them. They're looking for somebody to love them. You know what I know uh, the people here in Point Hope are looking for? Just people to care for them. People to love them. And uh, Jesus Christ loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. But hardly anybody Hardly anybody, I believe, cared about Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. Uh, You know what I believe we need to do? Say, Lord, uh, we support these missionaries. Not only would you break my heart for these missionaries, but break my heart for the people they're ministering to. Look at me to John chapter 15. You're in John 11. Look at me to John chapter 15. When uh, when he says, Pray that uh, God would send forth laborers into the harvest field. I believe we shouldn't just pray physically for missionaries to go, but that God will send our own heart there. Look at me to John chapter 15. I-, I truly believe that. I truly believe if we take better care of the missionaries that we already support, God will say, you know what, I'm going to bless that. I'm going to give you more. Look at me to John chapter 15. Look at verse 12. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You know, a lot of people say, "I'll take, uh, I'll take a, you know, I'll take a bullet for my friend. I'll take a bullet for this brother, or this sister, or whatever." Uh, how about this? You know what? I, you know what I know as a missionary, and, and I'm sure any other missionary would say this. Uh, I would rather you lay down your will, your your. Maybe 10, 15 minutes of the day, and just pray for every missionary and every every soul that you know of that they're asking for. Or just you know, a blanket prayer. Lord, would you please break my heart over the souls there, and would you help me to weep over them? Uh, why don't you lay down your life? Maybe five, 10, 15 minutes a day, and pray for your missionaries. Lay down your life. If you love them, you'll you'll lay down your life and and pray for them. Look at me to John chapter 11. So, I believe we need to have one broken heart with our missionaries on the mission field. Let we'll me to John chapter 11, verse 39. In John chapter 11, <clears throat> verse 39, the Bible says, Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see. The glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, "Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me." The amazing thing here is here is his own sister. I mean, Lazarus' his own sister, and said, "Listen, God, listen, Jesus, it's just too late. It's too late. I mean, it's it's fruitless. It, there's no reason to try and 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 save him. It, it's just too late." And I don't know about you, but uh, I thank God. That Jesus Christ didn't say, you know what, you're right, it's too late. Uh Matt Sutton, it's too late for him to get saved. You know, I thank God that uh when nobody else really would uh in, in any other circumstance, if anybody else was God, they'd say, you know what, Matt Sutton, uh, he's just been just a reprobate for too long, he hasn't cared about me, I'm just gonna let him go and move on. But I thank God that Jesus Christ is long-suffering, he's merciful, he's gracious, you know what he says? He says, "You know, I'm gonna keep trying. I'm gonna keep trying, and I'm not gonna give up." And that's what he did here. He didn't give up when everybody else said it's it's just no use. Well, praise the Lord, uh, Lord Jesus Christ, saved my soul at 23 years old. And I don't know about you, but uh, I'm sure there was many years for you, unless you got saved at a really young age, there was many years for you that uh, probably anybody else would say it's too late for that guy or too late for that woman. And uh, but God said, "No, no, I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna keep at it." And uh, that's what a lot of people do with uh, mission fields and missionaries today. They say, well, man, you're not getting the results that you would think. Why don't you just move on? Move to a different mission field. Go. I mean, let's not put our money here. It just doesn't seem like it's getting you know, a good bang for our buck. I mean, over here, they're, they're seeing thousands saved. But over here, only maybe one or two a year. Uh, you know what Jesus Christ says? Uh, there's a need everywhere. And He came to this city just for Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Look at me to uh, verse 43. And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus said unto them, Loose him and let him go. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. You know, this is uh, just a great example that we need to have one endless drive with our missionaries on the mission field. Listen, you know, there's going to be circumstances that come about. There's going to be times when even your heart's going to condemn it and say, you know what, why don't you stop giving to missions? It's, I mean, it just doesn't seem like it's doing much. Why don't you stop praying for your missionaries? Well, I mean, it's just, it doesn't seem like it's doing much. Uh, y- you know what the devil's trying to get you to do? Trying to get you to stop. Trying to get you to stop. Supporting missionaries. Look at verse forty-six. Even after uh, he came forth, all right, Lazarus is brought back from the dead. In uh, this great miracle takes place, uh, of course. And again, there is more negative things, more negative people. Look at verse forty-six. But some of them went their way, uh, ways to the Pharisees. I'm sorry. But some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, what do we for this man doeth many miracles? If we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him and the Romans shall come and take away both our place and nation. Now look at me to verse 53. Then from that day forth, they took counsel together for to put him to death. <laughs> they were going to put Jesus Christ to death. They were trying to kill him. That You know what? As a missionary or as someone that supports missionaries, uh, people are going to try and get you to stop. People are going to try and uh, give you as much opposition as possible, threaten you, uh, try and get other things in your life to get in the way. We need to have one endless drive. We need to not give up. Just like Jesus Christ didn't give up, He kept on going, He kept on trying to get His disciples and everybody else to have that one broken heart and to care for those souls. Uh, We should be the same with our missionaries. Now, lastly, look at me to John chapter 12. John chapter 12 now. And here's Mary again here. John chapter 12, verse 1. Bible says then Jesus 6 days before the Passover came to Bethany where Lazarus was which had been dead whom he raised from the dead there they made him a supper and Martha served but Lazarus was one of them that sat at their table with him then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard very costly and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? You know what he couldn't understand? Why in the world are you spending all this money on Jesus Christ? (laughs) The greatest missionary in the world. Why are you spending all this money on his feet? Uh, You know what people are going to say to you? You not only give 10% to your church or more, but you also give uh, your faith promise. You also give above and beyond. You give more? I mean, uh, people people will not understand. Even Christians don't even understand uh, you giving money. Look me at me to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Here Mary broke this box of ointment, this perfume. I mean, just that. I mean, you could just, you could sell that and get so much money for it, and seems like you could do so much better with it. But, but you know what she did? She knew that Jesus Christ's feet were precious, that they were special. You say, why? Look at Romans chapter 10, and verse 15. The Bible says, well, let's go to verse 14. How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. You know, I don't know about you, but I want my kids, all right, I want my kids when they grow up, uh, my son Jacob, and when we have more kids, I want my kids, I want them to look at preachers, I want them to look at missionaries, I want them to look at any Christian that's uh, sold out for Jesus Christ, I want them to look at uh, them as their heroes and Jesus Christ, of course, number one, but to look at them as heroes, not these uh, sports stars and music stars and all this Hollywood junk and everything. I want them to have uh, the, uh, the missionaries and all of them, I want them to say, wow, the, I mean, these guys, these, these women, these guys, everybody that's sold out for Jesus Christ, they're special. I mean, they're my heroes. And that's how Mary was. Mary said, wow. I mean, uh, Jesus Christ is doing so many great things, preaching the Word of God. And, and I don't know about you, but we need to have a greater love for those that are preaching the Word of God. Look at me at Isaiah chapter 30. Isaiah chapter 30. The feet of those that preach the Gospel. They're special. Look at Isaiah chapter 30. In Isaiah chapter 30, look at verse 24. The Bible says the oxen likewise and the young asses that ear the ground shall eat clean provender, which uh, hath been winnowed with the shovel and with the fan. So uh, the, uh, the young asses that ear the ground, that ear the ground. Look with me at Isaiah chapter 32. Isaiah chapter 32, look at verse 20. Isaiah chapter 32, verse 20. The Bible says, Blessed are ye that sow beside all waters that send forth thither the feet of the ox and the ass. Now, what would happen in the Old Testament there is that uh, God would send rain down upon the fields and he'd flood out that land uh, and the crops and all that. And as that water started to soak into the land, uh, they would send their sowers with the, with the seed and they would throw out that seed onto that water. And then they would what they would do is they'd ear the ground. And what that means is they would take oxen And with that um, seed that's on the water that's starting to soak into the ground, what they would do is they take the oxen and they just have the oxen walk over the soaking wet field. And what this would do is this would open up the ground to receive the seed into the ground. I remember when um, uh, we were living in uh, New York there and we were on deputation, and I loved to run. And um, when we were staying at the church there, our home church there in Martville, uh, it's kind of set on swampland, and so I'd love to run, like I said. And if it rained, I mean, that rain would stay uh, there for a long time, it would be just soaking, sopping wet. And so, I'd run around the church and all that, and the land that we have there. And boy, a lot of times my feet would just sink right into the ground, go you know, and you look back, and there was just you know, my footprints, uh, an inch down into the ground, you know, and and you know what that is that's that's just a wet ground that's ready really to receive anything and especially seed and that's what's going on here now look at me at psalm 56 you know what i wonder a lot of times we say well it doesn't seem like our missionary that we're supporting is uh really being able to see enough souls saved you know it doesn't seem like they're doing their job or or uh, and we many times we put it on our missionaries that we support but i wonder if some of that could be put on us look at uh, psalm 56 verse 8 Psalm 56, verse 8, the Bible says, Thou tellest my wanderings, put thou my tears into thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? God says that uh here that he puts tears into his bottle. He now, of course, we know that uh, he's got uh uh you know bottles of wrath and all that kind of stuff that he pours out once they get filled up and everything like that, cups of wrath. But he also has it looks like a bottle that he keeps your tears. And I wonder if when our mission, missionaries are out in there in the mission field, say you support a missionary to Africa, say they're out there and they're trying to sow the seed, they're trying to witness to people, and you and I have not been weeping over the souls that are out there, haven't been weeping for the land that's out there, and uh, you know what they're doing? They're pretty much just trying to sow that seed on just dry, chapped ground. That, I mean, if you try and stomp your foot on it and try to get it soak in or sink in, it's just, it won't move anywhere. It's just totally dry. And, uh, you know what I believe we need to do? I believe we need to say, you know what? Part of that has to be my fault. I need to be more broken heart. I need to be crying over these people out here in these nations that uh, we support missionaries i need to be more brokenhearted with these missionaries and uh, so that god could pour a bottle of tears onto that ground so that when that missionary does throw out that seed and he's walking all over uh you know africa and, and witnessing to people he's earing the ground and getting that seed into the hearts of the people because the ground is ready to receive the seed the word of god you know want to know why because I believe that uh, we'd be able to take part in that. Because we're together with our missionaries on the mission field. I don't know about you, but I, I want to have one everlasting footprint. Uh, my first point was, I believe we need to have one broken heart with our mission, missionaries on the mission field. We need to, uh, of course, uh, be... Uh, uh, um, let me see here. We need to uh, all have one endless drive. Okay, We need to be, number one brokenhearted one brokenhearted with our missionaries on the mission field we need to have one endless drive with our missionaries never give up never give up with our missionaries and i don't know about you but i want to have one everlasting footprint uh if we're together with our missionaries missionaries uh it's going to be eternal the things that they get done and we're going to have a part in that when souls get saved in africa if you support missionaries in africa you're going to see those souls in heaven we're going to have one everlasting footprint Uh, Because you're supporting the feet of those that preach the Word of God to those nations. So, what about you? Are are you on the mission field with your missionaries? Maybe you need to ask the Lord and say, Lord, would you uh, break my heart? Would you send my heart more with uh, all the missionaries that we support on the mission field? Now, listen, it's not going to be an easy thing. You're going to have to lay down your life. You're going to have to, I know I need to lay down more of my life for the missionaries that we already support. And I wonder if God would say, you know what, maybe in a month, two months, maybe in a year, two years, three years, God would say, you know what, you've been taking care of the missionaries so well that you already support. I'm going to give you some more. I'm going to give you some more finances to be able to support some more missionaries. What a blessing that would be. And then you know what, if we do that and God allows us to take more on, we'd be able to uh, be able to fulfill even greater the, com- the commission that God has given us to fulfill until He comes back. Alright, thanks guys
1: amen thank you matthew and uh amen. that's uh, certainly a timely admonition uh, you know just thinking in my own circumstance here you know i i had a unique opportunity to go to the field to the mission field that you're on you know obviously you're my son so <laughs> i'm supporting you and and um i got to and we have a contact you know a daily contact but it calls into question, you know, that uh, the our church here, Bible Baptist Fellowship in, in Alpine, New York, that we support other missionaries, and I'm not as connected with those missionaries. And I know there's letters that we get from them, and from time to time I will peruse them, but, you know, it' not as much as I should be. Uh, I'm not as intimately aware of what's happening with each one of those and how they're <laughs> doing and what prayer requests that they have and things that they need. So that's certainly a... Uh, an admission for me to uh, to be more involved. What do you think? Gary? Amen.
4: Well, amen. Um, you know, good uh, good study, Matt, and I appreciate that. You know, there. I guess, like Eric, you know, having uh, family. You know, my my daughter up there with you. Uh, kind of feel the same way that Eric uh, feels in that. Uh, you know, being more involved with you and and probably much to a lesser extent to other missionaries that that we know. And but just some things that I've learned from you guys being away uh, that a personal visit is something that uh, is not only beneficial for the missionary themselves to have somebody up there to uh, be able to show what's going on and what they're doing and see the people and so forth, but what that does for the person that goes to the mission field in support, is it, it, it gives them a greater sense of burden for the souls that are there uh, so that uh, may not be called to go, but when they come back, they have a better sense of what to pray for. Uh, mm. You know, th- there's only so much you can get from a slide, uh, from a video, and things along that line, but when you actually go there and, and see the conditions and see what you're up against and so forth, see the difficulties. Uh, you know, you, you have a greater appreciation for what they're going through and what they need. Uh, you know, uh, the other thing, you know, and, and again, this is personal and this is uh, something that uh, I think that's challenged me in, in this study uh, is the personal contact. You know, years ago, we didn't have the, the electronic media that we could do what we do here. Obviously, the telephone calls were really, really expensive, and most people did their contact by snail mail. Now, you know we have uh, FaceTime or FaceChat or whatever. What all these things are, I have no idea what the names of them are. I just participate, but you know, we get a chance to to talk to the to the missionaries face to face and be able to to uh, uh, you know give them some some personal contact. Uh, uh, you know, you guys being where you are, it's it's rather isolated. Uh, you know, there's not a whole lot of fellowship that's up there, and any. Uh, personal contact can add that emotional support that can mm. uh, keep them going. I mean, you know, depression is not something that's uh, for everybody else except the missionaries. They go through those kind of depressions as well, and uh, they, uh, they need that personal contact. And uh, what we can do, obviously, we don't want to be a nuisance to ourselves and and keep them from doing the work that they're doing. But but yet at the same time, there still should be some some personal contact uh, from the church and and individually that that can uh, let people know that are on the mission field, the missionaries themselves, that they're not alone, that they are they are being prayed for, that they are being supported, and uh, you know that'll help the missionaries' effectiveness because they're. I don't want to say their their uh, uh, mental well being is is taken care of, but yet there's still a, a context to that and and importance to that. Uh, so um, you know that all of that uh, plays a part, and uh, with the opportunity that we have, with the media that we have now, we ought to take advantage of that and uh, uh, be a support to those missionaries in that way. Amen.
3: Amen. Let me also just uh, say amen to what Brother Steve said earlier about uh, taking a a trip to a mission field. And um, if you have the opportunity to do it, if the Lord would allow you to do it, you pray and he's leading you to, it is a great opportunity and it will change your life. Um, The first missions trip I got to take was, I believe, at the end of 1996. And it was in uh, Ukraine. We had a missionary from our church there. And by the time I was done and come back, it was like I had experienced personal revival. I just was, I, I it just happened. I mean, I didn't know it would happen. I didn't seek for it to happen, but it just, it was something else. And just so many things that uh, time would fail me to tell you about um, what transpired on, on that trip. <clears throat> so if you have that opportunity, you you want, uh, you'll get a good vision and, and you'll see things from a perspective. You just, as Brother Steve said, you can't see them from, um from this side of the world. I want to read you just a short passage of scripture that when I read it I I think of the mission missionaries and the people that that go into the mission work and go to the mission field. And it's from Mark chapter 10, beginning of verse 28. Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. And and indeed we have many a missionary that does that. They leave everything behind from here they leave their possessions, their homes, their houses, their families, um, and, and then they head out to a, a foreign place, a place that is foreign to them. Uh, so Peter says, Lo, we have left all and followed thee. And Jesus answered and said, Verily, I say unto you, there's no man that hath left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children or lands for my sake and the gospels. So here are people leaving them for the sake of the Lord, but, but also to particularly put out the gospel. And he said, there's nobody that's done that, but he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children's and lands with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life. But many that are first shall be last and the last first. So you get to that place where he says, "You should receive an hundredfold now in this time." And I think when I'm reading about this, I think of the missionaries and the deputation that they do. Yes. And they go from church to church, and they they're put up in uh, sometimes motels, sometimes uh, folks' houses. But either way, their their housing is provided for, and it's like they receive a hundredfold. They have left that place, and now they they get to stay here and here and here. Not that it's always a vacation or a luxury. But um, they receive an hundredfold now he said, in this time, houses and brethren, their context of Christian brothers and sisters are just multiplied. Mm-hmm. sisters and mothers and children and lands, etc. And again, with persecutions because there is uh, both on deputation and the mission field, there's that uh, part of persecution. So I read this and it helps to get a little perspective um, for the missionary and what he does. The prayer letters, it, you know, when I read them, I get a, a good perspective, a better perspective. When I see their presentation, they come in on deputation or furlough, and they, they show us their slides or their videos, um, presentation, and, and they get a better grip. Um, there's just so much that goes on in their lives that, that you really want to try to put yourself there as best you can, even though we can't go in and visit every one of them. <laughs> but uh, missionaries go through it. Uh, they're, they're on the front lines. Yeah, amen. You know, the Lord's allowed us to have some missionaries called to the field from our church. And I'll just tell you just a little testimony about one of them, what they're going through right now. But they went on deputation all over the country, raised their support, got to the field there for maybe a little over a year. And their wife um, is not feeling well. She comes back to the States. Uh, She's diagnosed with um, cancer. And she's now getting treatment for it. Just had an operation for it um, the other day. And while they're going through all of this, life doesn't stop either. Yes. Um, they were, they were just getting started in the mission field in the process of building um, uh, a place for them to live in. And um, you know, that's over there by itself. And, and the husband got a report that, you know, that place, somebody had broken into it while they're gone and, and, and then didn't trashed it. Um, they, while he was waiting I'm in the waiting room with him while his wife is, you know, getting an operation and while he's waiting. He gets, he's, he's having to deal with an auto dealer repair place, uh, auto dealer where that's doing repair on a vehicle. He's got cause his vehicle, the transmission had uh, blown in the, the uh, transfer case. And, 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 and he's getting an estimate for that and trying to deal with this while his wife's under uh, in surgery. And then the wife comes out of surgery and he gets a call back from him, how much it's going to be. They get the get the thing fixed and, Um, 200 miles later, it blows again. So I'm just saying these guys, you just don't realize what everybody's going through. Um, and, and there's story after story after story from health and and the practice. I'm just saying that thing about praying for your missionaries is important. Mm. They, They go through oppression. They go through all kinds of things. And I've, I've, been burdened about it myself, and one thing I did several years ago in our church is just to make sure that the missionaries and and several other categories of people don't get lost through the cracks in prayer. Is um, I separated, I, I made up different prayer sheets for Wednesday night, and and, and what we do is we have um, several of them with our, with missionaries that we support financially, and then we have several we have others with um, missionaries that we want to pray for, but we don't support financially. And and what happens is we make sure that um, every one of those things is prayed for during a Wednesday night prayer meeting. So right. somebody will get that sheet. I've got more than one copy of them, but but, but uh, we make sure everything in that first section is taken, and somebody's going to uh, pray for it. And I charge our folks to you know pray earnestly and and, and consider uh, these things. But but I pray for missionaries myself. You know, as I as I read the prayer letters, and let's just remember this. Not close with this. Remember that. Um, a lot of them call them prayer letters and that's because they're communicating to you things that need to be prayed for. So uh, appreciate the study, uh, Brother Matt and the exhortation. Amen.
1: Amen. If um so obviously if let's say there's someone that's heard this this message here today and, and they're in the church and they want to do more, they want to be more involved and, and more helpful to a missionary, prayer. I've heard prayer that it's certainly something that you know, maybe take those prayer letters and and uh, pray for those missionaries and their needs is there anything else I guess that you guys as pastors and you Matt as a missionary that that they the, a person a member of the congregation could do
2: I think it just depends on you know probably the best thing to do is uh to get a hold of their pastor first and then say you know this is Uh, this is a missionary that we support or even don't support. But, you know, I want to try and do more. Have you heard of anything that I can do? And like, I know out here, uh, we need help, you know, building. (laughs) We always need help building. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's just there's some people that can that are good at carpentry, you know, good at electric, you know, electrician and all that kind of stuff. And so it just depends. I think just probably getting a hold of you're missionary and just saying is there anything that I can do these are my skills i have or do you just need some muscle power or you know is there anything i can send you i know you know there's one church in ohio that uh, every once in a while sends us i mean in one month they send us six or seven big priority boxes full of canned foods and things like that that is just crazy amount of money here for us to get and uh, and they sent it to us. And so just, you know, just a whole bunch of different things that, that you can do for your missionary. Amen. Along, you know,
4: I, I, along that same line, a care package, you know, for, for basically what that box is, to, you're, you're talking about, Matt. Uh, you know, could be canned goods, could be, you know, uh, things for the kids, uh, yeah, amen. Uh, you know, some, you know, little special things for the for the wife and so forth, just to let them know that they are not forgotten. Uh, you know, one thing, and, and kind of tying in, uh, some people are talkative, some people aren't. Uh, you know, if there was a way of, of uh, someone who isn't afraid of talking to somebody that they may not know very well now, you know, just, uh, you know, maybe setting up a time or finding out if they can set up a time where they can talk to a missionary on a somewhat regular basis, whether it's weekly, whether it's monthly, you know, and just let them vent or let them talk, you know, let them have connection with what's going on in, in, uh, in America, you know, just, you know, sometimes just having news of what's going on, sometimes just having somebody that they can talk to, it doesn't have to be a, a preacher or anybody like that, just somebody that, that uh, you know, you can develop a, a friendship with, a relationship with, and just have some some contact with somebody, especially when you're out, you know, in somewhat of an isolated uh, situation, it can be a, kind of a lifeline to them. And Uh, I know uh, there were uh, uh, in a church that I was attending, uh, the pastor's wife made special effort to uh, write to several of the wives of the, of the uh, missionaries. And uh, whenever they came back on furlough, it was, it was just uh, such a reunion to be able to see them and uh, get together again and, and laugh and, and uh, uh, talk about things. And that that connection was already made and, 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 uh, you know, things were shared from the heart, and and uh, friendship had been, been established for 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 a long time. And and uh, when they got a chance to see each other, and uh, you know, it was just a real special time. So, uh, communication uh, personally as well as, as as to the Lord is is really vital.
3: Another thing that um, missionaries have a need of, and and various you know, different missionaries going to have different needs, but um, I know a number of them that have had needs. For tracks that that they can't get real well over there, or even uh, at times Bibles, there are some ministries that will work with us for, for the Bibles. There is um, uh, King James Bible Society in Pensacola, Florida. Uh, Brother David Cagle runs that. Um, the Beams Ministry—they um, that's Bible education and missionary service. I think it is. And forgive me if that's that's incorrect. But what those folks do is they uh, they send whole hardback Bibles. Uh, to missionaries, and um, and those are places that can help with that. But you can sometimes put things together even on your own, um, mm-hmm. as far as getting out tracks. But I um, I know that uh, there's places that they just can't. They need them and they can't get them. And what a what an investment to Enough. spend your money to buy a Bible or Bibles or gospel tracks and send it where maybe you can't go and turn that thing loose. Amen. Amen. I'm going to tell you, that, that's an investment that's going to mature when you get to the judgment seat of Christ, and you won't be you won't be sad. <laughs> that's you invested it. And it's going to help some folks here. Amen. Amen.
1: Well, a lot of good points there, a lot of good pointers for us to, to be more involved and support our missionaries. Thank you, Matt, again, for that study.
2: Well, thank you, guys.
1: And guys, thanks for, again, taking of your time. I know everybody's busy, especially as we approach, again, the holidays. I know it gets hectic for 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 all and so i thank you pastor strobel pastor steve matthew for uh, joining us today and we certainly do pray and hope that uh, the things that we're doing here are, are helping other christians and and uh, if there's any lost folks tuning in perhaps that it'll help
3: lead you to the lord
2: amen amen
3: all right guys anything else nope. thank you eric for all your help yeah getting this done
1: all right guys well lord willing we'll see you sooner next time and uh, again thanks so much
0: All of shall rise in the skies going and going where no one dies heaven word by Share. Jesus is coming soon, morning or night or noon, many will many many meet their doom, trumpets, will, trumpets sound. will surely sound, all of the dead shall rise, righteous be in, in the skies, go going where go no one dies, heavenward bound. Shall rise righteous me in the skies
1: This has been a production of the That's in the Bible podcast. To leave a comment or to ask a question, visit our website at That's dot com, or email us at That's in the Bible at Gmail dot com, or call our listener feedback voicemail at seven one six five eight four sixteen eleven. Again, that's seven one six five eight four one six one one. As always, thanks for listening and press on.